The text for the sermon this morning is the first part of Matthew 27, verse 51. And there it says the following, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Beloved people of the, the Lord, today we are together here to remember a death. But that doesn't mean we're here together in a somber kind of funeral mood. No, we call this day and this, what we remember here, Good Friday. Good Friday. It's a good day, good day for believers because we remember the bitter, day, uh, bitter and shameful death today, certainly, but this death means life for us. It's the death of Christ, Jesus Christ, who underwent everything in our place so that we might be reconciled to God, nothing stands between God and us anymore and so that we might live with him forever. And congregation, that joyful truth, the gospel or good news of salvation comes to the fore clearly in our text which describes how the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom, torn in two. That means completely. That tearing of that, that complete tearing of that curtain at that veil at the moment of Christ's death makes very visible and clear to everyone the glorious meaning of Christ's death for sinners like us today too. And it's also a call to, for us to seek our life outside of ourselves in Jesus Christ. And with that in mind, I preach to you the gospel of the torn veil in the temple at Jesus' death. We see it proclaims three things. We now have access to God's throne. We're all priests in God's world, and we're called to believe in God's Son. So the gospel of the torn veil in the temple at Jesus' death, it proclaims those three things. We have access to God's throne. We're priests in God's world and called to believe in God's Son. First of all, it proclaims we have access to God's throne. It says in the verse just before our text, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. What a moment, uh, brothers and sisters, boys and girls. What a moment. Jesus had already undergone by this time the agony of eternal death, spiritual death for his own, in those three hours of darkness. And God forsaken as he had descended into the very terrors of, of hell. And God forsaken us. And now he still had to undergo physical death. That was required to pay for sins too. Physical death, also the result of sin. 
And with a loud cry, Jesus therefore gave up his spirit, his life. Notice he did not, he didn't die of exhaustion or so. He still had the energy to cry out loudly, it says. Loudly, it was a loud cry. And that shows that death did not overpower him, but he gave himself over to it. He yielded up his spirit, it says. He didn't lose it, he yielded it up. A very special death, in other words. And a death with a very special meaning then. It was evidenced by what happened at that moment. For one thing, the earth shook. There was an earthquake and the rocks split. Tombs were open. There was a, that, with that sudden sharp earthquake, something else happened to it. It says in the text that at the moment of Jesus' death, the veil of the temple was torn in two. Notice, in two. As I mentioned, that means completely two parts. And then in, in torn from top to bottom. That was, means it wasn't ripped in half by human hand from bottom to top. But from above, by God himself. That must have been an amazing sight, a frightening sight to those priests working in the temple. That veil began to tear from the top down completely. And you know which veil or curtain it was? There, was? there were actually two large veils in the temple. An outer veil hung between the actual temple building and the temple court where the great altar was. And then there was an inner veil or curtain between the holy place in the temple and the most holy place where the, the Ark of the Covenant was supposed to stand. And the Greek word used in our text for curtain points to that large inner veil or curtain, the one between the holy place and the most holy place. And the most holy place, you know, was where God dwelled among his people in Zion. Where, where one behind that veil, so to speak, you came uh, to eye and eye with God, so to speak. And now that curtain was a massive and beautiful piece of work congregation. It was 60 feet high and 30 feet wide, and tradition has it that it was as thick as a man's hand. It was made of the finest materials and embroidered with golden cherubim, gold thread. In spite of its beautiful appearance, it had a very sad purpose. It was hung there between the holy place and the holy of holies as a separation. A separation between God and his people. And in that way, it was always a reminder of the sin that separates God and men. God and, and, and even his people. As a sinful person, you could not just approach God in all his holiness. You wouldn't survive. It's as the residents of Beth Shemesh said, 1 Samuel 6, after some men had looked into the ark and more than 50,000 people had perished because of that, who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? People 
who are unholy by nature had to keep their distance from God most holy, in other words. But once a year, just for one day, the high priest of Israel was allowed to pass through that great veil, enter the Holy of Holies where the ark was, and then only with a bowl of blood from the sacrificial animals, goat and ox, and then to sprinkle that on the ark. And that was then the exception, though. As a rule, no one was allowed to pass through that veil, even to touch it. It remained in place. Though God lived among his people, he was unapproachable because of sin. That heavy veil was a reminder of the separation between God and his people because of their sins. But now Jesus had just completed the suffering that was needed for sins. He completed that on the cross. We know from the Gospel of Luke that the words he cried out, it says he cried out again with a loud voice that he cried out at that moment, it is finished. That means that the sins of God's elect had been paid for in full, finished. Everything that stood between God and us had now been taken away, removed by Christ. Christ took on himself all our guilt and curse, and through that once-for-all sacrifice of himself there on that cross, he removed it, that complete burden from us so that we now have access to God's throne. What separated us from God has been fully removed, put aside, and the way to God's holy and gracious presence is open for us in Christ. And God clearly made that gospel known to all by tearing that great veil in the temple from top to bottom. That was and is for us today to a clear declaration that the way to God's throne of grace is wide open in Christ. Faith in Him. Whoever embraces Christ in faith can come near to God without fear of death. What used to be the exception in the old covenant has now become the rule for every child of God in the new covenant. You can approach God without hindrance or fear. Through faith in Christ, through the relationship of faith in Christ, you have free admission to God's throne, so to speak. And you can talk with God and ask Him whatever is on your heart and mind. The letter to the Hebrews, which we read, speaks of having boldness, even, boldness to enter the most holy place where God lives in heaven. Through Christ, sinful people can go right to God and ask for his grace and help in all their needs. And then, brothers and sisters, the question is, do we make use of that boldness, that confidence we have in Christ to approach God and ask him for grace and help in need? God loves it when we come to his throne of grace in Christ. 
He loves that. The Holy of Holies in heaven is wide open for us through Christ. As it also says, Hebrews 10, he consecrated, Christ consecrated for us a new and living way to God through the veil that is his flesh. Through his becoming man, flesh, suffering and dying in our flesh and in our place, Christ has made that way to God open for us. Around that throne in heaven, the mighty seraphim and cherubim reverently and constantly praise God's holy majesty, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We sang about that. Seraphim and cherubim. Mighty, mighty spiritual beings. They, they bow before God's throne. And yet, we don't have to be afraid to go there. To approach God in prayer, to approach that throne. Because it's a throne of grace for us in Christ. Throne where God, for the sake of His Son, forgives, helps, blesses, is merciful. And see, congregation, this is what makes Good Friday so good. Good Friday means free admission to that throne, to approach, approach God for grace and help every day again. Every day. And then the question is, do we use that free admission? The only thing that could still hold anyone back from coming before God and receiving the gifts of His grace and goodness is our doubt and unbelief. So let's not hold back. Let's believe what our text says, what Jesus did on, on Good Friday. Let's believe that what he did was for us. And let's approach that throne of the Almighty God in heaven with boldness, as it says in Hebrews, for forgiveness and help and blessing. Boldness, not the first thing you, that you have when you, when you have trouble is, is that you don't just go and think, what should I do, Where, who, do, who can I approach? No, on your knees first thing. That's where the real help is. And you can go boldly. So congregation, that torn veil proclaims that through Christ's death you have free access to God. But that torn veil also proclaims we're now all priests in God's word world. That's the second point of the sermon this morning. It also proclaims that veil proclaims that we're all priests in God's world. So God himself declared with that torn veil at Jesus' death, the way to him is open. It also means that that temple there in Jerusalem was no longer the only place where man could occasionally meet with God. No, from now on, God is approachable anywhere on earth here. He can be worshipped everywhere, not just in that one place in Jerusalem. The whole world is where we now live and work in the presence of God. The whole world, holy territory for God. And there's no need for a special class of priests anymore either. Now that Christ, the perfect high priest, has offered himself for our sins, we don't need any special priest to approach God on our behalf anymore. 
some kind of high priest. Good Friday was retirement day for the Levitical priesthood. And the Aaronic priests, it was their retirement day. From now on, everybody who is in Christ is priest to God. And this priesthood doesn't need to bring any offerings for sins anymore. The once-for-all offering for sin has been brought by the perfect high priest, Jesus Christ. No, this priesthood of all believers brings sacrifices of thankfulness to God. That's their calling. This, this priesthood offers a life of gratitude to God. See, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that tearing of that veil in the temple from top to bottom at the moment of Jesus' death proclaimed to all that God had done away with that Old Testament division between holy and unholy places and holy and unholy persons. God is making a people holy. God is making this whole world holy. No longer just the temple in Jerusalem a holy place and a most holy place and so on, or the city of Jerusalem, a holy city, or the land of Israel, the holy land. No, the whole world is where God wants to be worshipped and served in holiness. And no longer is a special tribe then set apart to be holy priests to God. All who are in Christ are a holy priesthood to bring thank offerings to God for His grace. And what that means, congregation, is that we shouldn't try to try to repair that, that tear in that temple veil either. I'm sure the priests in the temple at the time of Jesus' death were shocked by that tearing of the veil, and, and I'm pretty sure they would have tried to put the whole thing back together again as soon as possible. But we shouldn't try to close God's dwelling off from the world again. God's holy place. In other words, we shouldn't start separating where God has done away with, with a separation. And we can do that, you know. We can do that. For instance, when we make the, the worship of God something just for Sundays. And while the rest of the week, we live like Others, as if there is no God. As a Sunday Christian, you're making a separation where God doesn't want one to be. Repairing the veil. Or if we offer thanks to God at certain special times during the day, but not with our whole walk of life. But after that curtain was torn on Good Friday, God doesn't want just certain times or special places, special people. He wants us all to offer our whole life to Him as thank offering everywhere, all the time. Wants to be praised by us. Not, not only Sundays in church, but also during the week, at the job or, or at school or, or at home or in our time of recreation and entertainment or when we're on vacation, you are priests in God's world. He wants your service and praise everywhere, all the time, your whole life to be thank offering to Him. 
So let's not live a, a life with a veil down the middle somewhere. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls too, like singing praises here in church, but cursing at, in the home or on the job site, giving thank offerings for needy here in church, but taking what isn't rightfully ours elsewhere, for instance, on our tax forms. No, God wants to sanctify the whole world from out of his church. Satan would like to make the church unholy from out of the world. But God wants to make the world holy from out of the church and his holy priesthood here. And that, that's our calling as priests to God in Christ. The whole world is going to become holy territory again. That's God's purpose and plan. We'll be filled with holy people. Think of what the prophet Zechariah says right at the end of his prophecies about the day of Christ. On that day, he said, holiness to the Lord shall be engraved on the bells of the horses. And every pot in Jerusalem and Judah, not only those in the temple, every pot shall be holiness to the Lord of hosts. Everything, in other words, from workhorses to pots in the kitchens, wherever, holy to the Lord, used to worship God in gratitude. That's what God is working towards. And he wants us to work at that too. Now, in thankfulness, as priests in Christ, so, congregation, the torn veil in the temple at Jesus' death proclaims we have open access to God's throne of grace. It also calls us to be priests of God in this world, to serve God with everything we do and have, and wherever we are in this world. And finally, that torn veil also calls to faith in God's Son. And that's the last point. That torn temple veil calls us to believe in God's Son. Congregation realized that there was a very direct connection between Christ's death and the tearing of that veil. The text says that that veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom at the very time of Christ's death. No one could logically deny that the veil was torn in two as a result of Jesus' death. And it visibly taught then that Jesus' death was the sacrifice that fulfilled all sacrifices and now the way it was opened to God through Christ. The priests and leaders of the temple must have stood amazed at what happened and the obvious sign pointing to Christ as a Savior. We're told that those around there saw that too. It says, verse 54, so when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, so it wasn't just right at that moment, but also afterwards they had heard what had happened also in the temple. They feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Those were Romans, Roman soldiers. Congregation, the priests in the temple, they saw these things happening too, and they rejected this man 
as the Christ, God's son. They had not accepted he was the promised Messiah. And that's why they eventually wanted him done away with. And there's only one way to deal with him, crucify him. And when he was finally nailed to a cross in Golgotha, they figured they were finished with him once and for all. Obviously, they were not. For all at once, at the moment of his death, those things happened. That temple veil separating the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple, separating God from this world, and the, and the, and the people was suddenly torn from top to bottom. And there was this violent earthquake, and tombs were opened, showing that those were clearly acts of God, as they say in the insurance business. Acts of God directed, directing those priests and leaders to Christ as God's Son, the Savior, the promised Messiah. The whole temple worship with all its rituals was finished with that proclaimed. No sacrifices needed anymore. No cleansings. You see that torn veil in the temple with all those other signs called those priests and leaders to accept the obvious, namely, Christ is the Savior, this man. Or it also called them, it called them to a choice. Also, to re, if they did not accept him, to reject him as the Savior. In fact, that torn veil calls everyone to choose either for or against God's Son. For God himself proclaimed very clearly with those accompanying signs, this is my Son, your Savior. His offering up his life is a sacrifice to end all sacrifices. Through him you have access to me. As long as you believe, as long as you love and follow him, as long as you say with that centurion and the others there, as they saw those signs, truly, this was the Son of God. They saw it. The priests did not. And they refused to believe. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, our text on this Good Friday calls you to faith in Jesus Christ. Points you right to him and him alone as your Savior and Lord the Lord of your life. Is he really that for you? Is he everything for us? Or are we still trying to help ourselves and live for ourselves? See, that, that torn veil calls us to humbly choose him, embrace him in faith. And not just one time, every time again, every day again. Because it proclaims that only through him is the way to God open for you? And can you go to him with all your sorrows and concerns? And, and it proclaims us all priests to God, called to offer our lives as thank offering to God. So brothers and sisters, don't hold back. Don't wait. Embrace this Savior with your heart, with your soul, with your life, and cling to him, cleave to him, Live for God through him. Then this really is Good Friday. Amen.